I'm Ricardo Alfaro, former chair and current board member of Agenda Alexandria, and this is On the Agenda, a podcast of Agenda Alexandria. This podcast is a preview for our upcoming program about matters related to school safety and student well-being. Please consider joining us for that program on Monday, September 26, from the George Washington Masonic National Memorial. The program is set to begin at 7 p.m. with a small reception at 6.30 p.m. Our podcast today will highlight the perspectives of two former ACPS students around school safety, campus safety, mental health, and well-being. With me today are Sylvia and Megan. So let's start off. I hope that you both don't mind. We're going to start off by inverse seniority of who graduated the latest. So Sylvia, your class graduate from 2022. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was just a recent graduate of the current ACHS campus. And fun fact, we are the first graduating class to have that name. So I'm happy that we were able to do that. I know the past class, class of 2021, worked so incredibly hard to get that name changed. Um, the past school board members, they worked so hard. So I'm, we're happy to have just to carry that on. Some of my um, background was I was a former school board representative. I applied in my junior year and throughout my senior year, I sat on the school board and was able to um, just be a liaison for the students of the high school as well as the multiple um, schools around ACPS and I thought that having that experience was so um, incredibly eye-opening just to how the process of how um, they choose specific policies and like why they choose it and the discussion behind it I think it was really eye-opening to do that and yeah I I think um, my time at ACHS was, I think, a very valuable time for me. I was able to learn a lot. And, you know, being in such a big school is definitely, you know, it can be kind of stressful at times, but I'm happy that I had the experience. I'm because specifically because of how diverse um, the environment was, I was so happy to be around so many different types of people and cultures. So overall, I would, I only, I have mostly good things to say about my time at ACHS. Well, again, congratulations on being the first class um, of the newly renamed Alexandria City High School. That in itself is an important milestone uh, for how the city is evolving. And with us also today is uh, Megan Embry, who's also a graduate from, we'll we'll say Alexandria City High School, um, class of 2013. You're now working at a creative agency. So tell us a little bit about yourself and as an opening question to you, you're a native Alexandrian and a product of the city's public education. What are your thoughts on, on this current state of affairs in our community? What a what an easy question to start off with. So, uh, yeah, so you're right. I uh, attended ACPS schools for my whole grade school career, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, I had an, I would say, overwhelmingly positive experience uh, in school, you know, did a lot of growing, obviously, as one does. But yeah, now I live in New York and I work at a creative agency as a producer. So that pretty much gets us up to speed. As far as how I feel about the current state of affairs, as you said, I think uh, it's just strange to read those statistics that you quoted. Um, and, you know, in the kind of literature that we uh, that we read uh, in preparation, they, they really... Uh, bring to light uh, serious safety concerns um, that 
honestly, being outside of the city now and not having access to like, you know, local papers as I would when I lived there um, really puts it into like kind of stark contrast with, I feel, what my experience was when I was in high school and middle school. Um, Not to say that there weren't, you know, fights and things from time to time, but it is kind of surprising And I'm curious to know why we think this is happening, like why students, yeah, are in kind of these, uh, this environment where they aren't feeling as safe. I I do wonder, um, you know, as far as over the years, like how that data has changed. Is it? Well, has it changed? It has. And I think there's a great opportunity to go back to Sylvia, because you just mentioned that you were a representative for the Alexander City School Board. Yeah, so just going back, I mean, I was a student at the school, so I myself even experienced just like the multiple times where, you know, there were like bomb threats called to the school or like there were, you know, fights. Like I've seen those like firsthand, like in front of me. And I do believe just like maybe because again, you know, due to COVID and kids coming back and some kids just don't know how to like interact with each other, you know, because of that like long time where we were just confined into our homes, we didn't really do anything. Then going back into this very like volatile environment because there's just so many kids around us. There's just so many that some students aren't used to. Like I believe the 10th graders, they were just like immediately jumped in. They didn't even have the ninth grade campus to really adjust themselves. They just immediately just went into this school that was full of 3,000 kids and were kind of just expected to just be okay. And I think that's the real unfortunate thing about this is because I think it also just goes back to like the mental health of our students. I do believe that because of the pandemic and everything that occurred, many students' mental well-being just wasn't in the right place. And then to expect students to automatically just readjust themselves and automatically just go back into this school setting when they haven't done that for two years or so, I do think is slightly unreasonable to think. Like, I do think students are going to have um, that issue. And then going back again, because there are just so many students around us, there's so many, um, not everyone can get that individualized attention that might be um, at maybe a school that only has like 300 kids or so. So also just because like not a lot of kids got that individualized attention and everything, you know, a lot of kids kind of, you know, falling through the cracks and nobody really knows like what's going on with them, which is like, I think what ultimately leads to a lot of, you know, these safety issues, a lot of these fights and kids getting weapons because sometimes they don't feel like noticed or they don't feel heard. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say, I think it's just really strange to see this data because it's not like I was living in some perfect world where, you know, everyone was kind to everyone all the time. And there, you know, were no fights or anything when I was in high school. Of course, that's not true. You know, kids get rowdy and everyone's coming from different experiences and, you know, they're bringing different emotions and tensions into their, into their school day. So like that, that will boil and, you know, sometimes, you know, no matter what the situation is, whether it's a pandemic or not. But I would say overall, I mean, at least from what I observed, 
I don't think that there would be that many arrests for assault of different kinds and finding weapons. I mean, the the weapons part to me is really shocking because I definitely don't associate my time at ACHS uh, as like one where I was nervous or concerned for my safety. And so it makes me really sad to think that students now do feel that way. I mean, there was always, you know, it's just a strange world that we live in. I, you know, I remember, you know, having active shooter drills. Like that's a horrifying reality of our times. Like that's just terrible that we even have to do that for for students. The fact that it's like you don't even have have a checkbook yet and you're having to think about how you know you would react and try to stay safe and survive if there were a shooter in your school you know like that's just a terrible thing and like I do remember one time there was an active shooter at Bradley Shopping Center when I was in ninth grade but it wasn't a student it was just because you know we were at Minnie Howard and so we're so close to Bradley we had to actually like put those practices into into action but yeah as far as student to student violence or threats of violence. I mean, yeah, besides, you know, kind of students getting rowdy and having fights, I just, which, you know, still not good. You know, you want that to be not a part of, you know, everyone's school day and certainly not the students who are involved. You know, you want them to get what they need so that they don't get to that point where they're fighting each other. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I yeah, think that's yeah. my, my, those are some I know it's, yeah, it's sort of scrambled, but those are my initial feelings where it's just, it does feel like, especially based on what you said as well, Sylvia, it just feels like it is a bit of a different environment than where I went. And I'm also curious to know, you know, when you, sorry, I'm not no, meaning go to ahead. hijack this, but, but I was involved in your answer to this question. If you could just say, you know, did you feel safe in school, you know, or was there a level of anxiety about your safety because when I was in school, I felt, I mean, pretty much totally safe. I mean, you know, we had school security and stuff. So there's a sense of, oh, something could happen. And I guess that's why they're there. But I overall felt like fine. Sylvia, floor is yours. Going back to the question of just if I felt safe, I feel like during my time, um, especially just some um, senior year, I think there was just a level of anxiety because I think I truly don't believe that it felt like either every week or every other week there was something like there was some type of incident and like I would see stuff like I don't know like I see like my friends and they'd be on Twitter and they'd be like we've gone so and so days without incident or whatever at our school and so I think there was just always some like type of like uh, something, something's gonna happen today. <laughs> or like, there's gonna be like, oh, we're gonna be stuck in our classrooms for like three hours because you had like multiple um days where like we were just kind of like, you know, stuck in our classroom because like, like, I don't know, there was like an issue or something. Sometimes it wasn't outside like, you know, threat. And then, you know, sometimes it was like, oh, something in the school. But, you know, there would be days where like, we had to stay in our classroom. We had to stay in like what period we were in and um, just kind of wait it out. And then we'll go to class, like maybe our last period we'll go to class. And that happened like multiple times within our school year. One thing that I do appreciate is that they, I feel like they did always take extra measures to make sure like there wasn't an issue. 
because sometimes like when we did like when we did those things it was mostly like a like for a protective measure like it wasn't something that necessarily it was like needed to be done but it was just to again to like make sure like things were like really safe for students and they didn't necessarily want to risk that the fact that that like happened in the first place that we had to do that is like slightly alarming i mean megan did you like ever have like an experience with that where it's like maybe like you had to do that during no not that i can recall and if it did happen it certainly was not every week or every other week i mean that again, makes me really sad to hear that, that that was a part of your experience, you know, because you're in school to get an education, you know, people that, that yeah. shouldn't be happening. And I do think like just my own peers, like they, they have said like, you know, that they do feel like a bit unsafe at schools because of, you know, all the um, incidents that have occurred. So I do think there is like a level of like, again, just anxiety about you know everything and just going to school and just not knowing if like are we gonna have a normal school day probably not (laughs) probably not um and you know it's so unfortunate because you know sometimes it messes with like a lot of like um you know like after school stuff because you know if something happened well then we're not having after school like everyone has go home and so um you know a lot of students who might find their joy in like after school activities you know or you know sports or anything like that you know that was also like taken away from them because of like you know consistent like safety issues so yeah I think just overall I think a lot of like just like for my senior year it was just a lot of like anxiety about like you know how like uh, my school day is going to look that specific day because sometimes like it might look it might be a normal day and other days it was just like you we only had like one to two classes because we weren't allowed to like leave like wow. ma- like maybe two? like because I remember like one time was I just like we had we had our first period we had third period they said something like happened or <laughs> I don't know. It was like something. And then we just stayed in third period. And then maybe we had like half of our like seventh period. And then that was the school day. I am uh-huh. so sorry to hear that. Sorry. I was going to say like the anxiety that you come to school with every day when you're already dealing with the world as it is, plus the fact that you're a high school student and you are already going to have, you know, just normal kind of adolescent anxieties, right? That, yeah, that unpredictability, like you said, of just not mm-hmm. knowing what you're yeah. going to be faced with each day on a, on a security level is, yeah, that's terrible. And also then the onus is put on your teachers to figure out at the drop of a hat, okay, so my second period students are going to be with me yeah. all day and I'm not any of my other classes. I mean, that is disruptive for you. It's disruptive for their lesson plans. How how do you see how do you see the support from teachers and staff um, over these recurring incidents? I could definitely see that it was stressing you know teachers out as well. Like you know, especially like um, there used to be like random not random meetings. You know, like okay, like if they had to do something after school, well, they can't now because they have to go to like an emergency meeting now about, you know, what happened. So it was like very disruptive for them. And, you know, I I even like, I talked to like some of like 
like I talked to like my own teacher and you know she she would also like talk about how you know they just kind of wish that they got more information and I would feel so bad because students would ask for more information and they would like email their teachers like okay what's going on and sometimes the teachers didn't really have like an like a response to them either like they didn't really know what to tell their students or like or anything like that and some teachers again were like very kind to you know like you know because some stuff that went out to um teachers might have not gone out to students so some teachers would like you know you know put that information out there so you know to ease some students mind who had like some like anxiety about like what was going on and everything but i think just like for faculty and like everything it was obviously like very stressful for them to just like having to like maneuver through all of that now you have to attend to like all these students questions when you yourself Switching over to state level, just this month, the Virginia Department of Education uh, released a policy draft for the treatment of transgender students called Model Print Policies on the Privacy, Dignity, and Respect for All Students and Parents in Virginia Public Schools. This uh, new policy has been getting all sorts of different reactions from school board members, from uh, the mayor of Alexandria, from people all across the the Commonwealth. Just to set a couple of things uh, based on the document of what the document stipulates, one of them is, and I quote from the document, practices such as compelling others to use preferred pronouns is premised on the ideological belief that gender is a matter of personal choice or subjective experience, not sex. Many Virginians reject this belief Additionally, the First Amendment guarantees religious freedom and prohibits compelling others to affirm ideas that may be contrary to the personal, to their personal religious beliefs, uh, end quote. Sylvia, I wanted to start off with you because I think I read that you had been an advocate for gender identity. What's your take with this kind of uh, draft policy that just came out and its potential impact for students all across the Commonwealth? So just to make sure I understand, so in the draft, it's saying that it's not necessary, you don't have, pronouns don't, correct pronouns don't necessarily have to be used because it might um, interfere with the First Amendment. Yeah, so actually, I think it goes beyond that because it, it indicates that teachers are bound to use the legal sex as the pronoun. Wow. That's really shocking to me. And I'm sure, like, because I know for our school board, like, we always, you know, want to make sure that we're being inclusive to all students. And this type of language um, this that this draft is proposing is, to me, not inclusive at all. And I think it's just, I don't, to me, it's just disgusting, honestly, that this would be allowed to just completely disregard and disrespect someone's identity and I completely personally I completely disagree with it I don't think that it should be allowed to again just to completely disrespect somehow someone identifies through um, not using the pronouns that they would like to be referred to I do wonder how many schools are going to um, maneuver this because if this is like you know the state like official law will then unfortunately like many you know schools might have to also abide by that but I mean I'm just thinking back because 
you know, during my time through high school, I know many people who um, don't use um, the pronouns that, you know, they might have been assigned to as birth. And now I feel that now school might not be a very safe or inclusive environment for them now, because now, you know, if a teacher simply doesn't agree with your identity, well, they don't have to, and they can go off or for faculty or maybe another student of anyone just they, they don't agree. Well, then that's just what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. They can't necessarily get in trouble for that. If it were me or if I would personally just wouldn't feel comfortable, like, going to school knowing that every single day that my identity is under attack, you know? So I do think it's very sad to see, like, this is the way that it's going in Virginia. As a matter of fact, I want to, again, quote, as part of the series of definitions of this draft policy, it says, the phrase transgender student shall mean a public school student whose parent has requested in writing due to their child's persistent and sincere belief that his or her gender differs with his or her sex, that their child be so identified while at school, end quote. Which, even in the way that that's written, is non-inclusive because it only says his or her. (laughs) I mean... This is... Who wrote this? Well, you saw the link. This is from... This, yeah, this is yeah. from I mean, the Department of Education. Yeah. This is a government draft policy. Megan, um, go ahead with, with any thoughts uh, that you want to share about this draft. I mean, yeah, from hearing you quote it, my understanding, just to also clarify, is that it's almost like they're using inclusive sounding language in the beginning only to almost bait and switch and say, okay, we want to respect everyone's identity unless X, Y, and Z. And I just, why can't we just respect everyone's identity full stop and not put, I don't know, limitations on that? Because basically what that's saying is that, yeah, we care about students' well-being and how they identify unless it makes someone uncomfortable. Frankly, as, you know, in, as far as this being a, a theme um, that we're getting into about students' well-being and safety in school, I'm sure transgender students would feel extremely unsafe reading this and knowing that, great, it really is not up to me as an individual. Like, people could care less about how I identify myself. They're just going to go with what's written on a piece of paper and trust that over my own feelings and, and beliefs about who I am. I mean, that is so insulting. That would be so deeply insulting. And also, I'm just thinking, like, as you were talking, Sylvia, about how then it would be up to, you know, individual faculty, how they, specifically, I'm thinking the adults in the room, right? Um, Specifically, how this pertains to just any staff member. So if it's an at-will thing where individuals decide whether or not they're going to use the pronouns that a certain student identifies with, my first thought is just that we're social creatures and kind of the students will follow what their teacher or, you know, the other faculty member who is, you know, the adult in the room in a leadership position is doing. And if the teacher is calling their student by one set of pronouns, but then some students are trying to, you know, be respectful Mm -hmm. and call them by the pronouns they've actually requested that people use, or, you know, vice versa, 
Um, not to say that we're just, you know, blaming teachers prematurely saying, oh, they're just not going to use the right. But, you know, students might do this too, where they don't respect um, another student's pronouns. It's just, it cre- I mean, it's just a, a tension and frankly, like, I don't know. If I were that student, I imagine I would just feel so kind of scared to come into the day every day just thinking, okay, great. You know, is this going to be a way that I'm made to feel different and um, just kind of othered? And I mean, <laughs> I not to um, put too fine a point on it, but frankly, high school is already difficult enough. I mean, that's just a whole another few levels of stress and potential serious mental health issues that can, which like the transgender community already deals with at a much higher rate. That's a huge generalization, but it, you know, uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm absolutely just, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's just so much to this, you know? What really is coming to mind and bringing this local to Alexandria is that Sylvia, you were talking earlier about the stress that already teachers are, are in with, all the uh, different dynamics that happen on a irregular disruptive school day, um, having a policy like this that they would have to additionally follow um, would potentially add stress to the teachers. Um, obviously the student, but it's a whole ecosystem, right? Of, of the education system. Um, and again, as we started out this, this uh, podcast, the conversation is, well, how do uh, uh, you foster an environment that is conductive to learning um, and to feeling safe um, and to feeling welcoming and uh, and inclusive when you have policies such as this one coming out? So, wanted to have both of your takes on that. Kind of, we're we're nearing near the end of of the program, so um, you can comment to that or just start off with your closing thoughts. I mean. I think specifically with the discussion of, um, you know, the rights of transgender students, it is maybe as simple as the fact that like, you can't feel, I, I wouldn't, I don't think you can feel safe if you don't feel respected. And I mean, obviously this applies to so many different topics and, and there's so many variations on that statement, but specifically with transgender students, I mean, I'm, Yeah, there's just, I I don't think, I I don't, I can't imagine how a student could really go through their whole school day every day feeling safe, just knowing that you're not being kind of that, yeah, your general uh, well-being is not being prioritized in this seemingly small but really huge way. Um, Yeah, would absolutely uh, not make you feel safe um, in school. So yeah, as far as overall well-being safety and um mental and emotional health i mean that that's a huge one yeah i think uh sylvia any additional thoughts yeah i totally agree with everything megan said i think if you walk into school every day and you know that your identity will most likely not be respected just based on what it says on a paper I wouldn't feel comfortable coming to school every day. And that heavily takes like a mental toll um, on you. And so how can you go through the day? How can you go through learning and staying focused on your academics and doing extracurriculars and so many things when you're worrying about 
not being respected as a person, I just don't think it's possible. And to expect transgender students to um, consistently just be okay with being disrespected like that, and like that's just going to be their reality, and there's nothing that can really be done, I don't think that's fair at all. And if we want to focus on school safety and school well-being and just making sure like students feel safe, it also starts at that level of making sure that, you know, that they feel comfortable enough to even share that part of identity with their teachers, with their fellow classmates and everything. So, yeah, I, again, I just, it's really sad to see that that's um, what they might, that they're, they might end up doing because again, trans transgender students already go through so much like mentally just you know navigating through their identity and then just another like um roadblock into you know feeling fully comfortable in their identity because again we they, we spend so much time in school we spend it's like eight hours of our day and so to go into like about eight or eight plus hours of your day knowing that again you're your whole identity is seen as not not plausible at all. It, again, it can take such an incredible just mental toll on you. And I just, yeah, I just think it's just pretty horrible. And one more thing I'm just thinking about, you mentioned earlier um, that, you know, I, I think it was you quoted like, uh, you know, there had like parents have to basically vouch for their child and say, you know, after a consistent period of time, they've really been telling us that they identify, you know, I mean, again, the fact that, you know, these students still don't have <laughs> the ability to decide for themselves who they are. I mean, I understand, of course, you know, there are limitations as to what you can do as you know, a high school student, you know, you're not an adult yet. However, this is not one of those times where I think that that should be taken into account. People know who they are. And that starts from a really young age, honestly. And also, I, and this was the thing that I was, I was really initially going to bring up, not everyone, <laughs> to say the least, not everyone comes from a home where they're comfortable sharing this with their family. I mean, you're making, and I'm using, obviously, not targeting either of you here, but the people drafting this are making a huge, huge assumption that all transgender students are coming from, you know, a family where they would feel comfortable even having this conversation with them. They may not feel safe talking about that, um, about this, you know, part of their identity, about like, you know, just how they're kind of coming to this. And there are so many times where, you know, it's teachers who learn things first, right? You know, it's a different kind of relationship than that you have, that teachers have with students versus what parents have with students, whether that's just, you know, like you might come from a really loving, accepting, open family, but still have a different relationship with your teacher. And, you know, just you see them every day. That 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 itself is also really troubling to me because first of all, it, again, it it's like a respect thing as well, where you're not respecting the fact that these people whether they're 18 years old or not, they know who they are, you know? And also the fact that there's a solid chance that maybe their family doesn't know about this. And so therefore it's not even an option that their parents could speak up for them and 
and petition the school basically to respect yeah. them and use I, the proper pronouns. I, I just wanted to like add that. I think that's a really good point because for a lot of students who don't have that um, accepting household, school is where they go to really get that. School, that's where they feel free enough to tell people like their exactly. true identity and everything. And when they get home, it might be a different story. But now with this new um, policy, it's like, where are they going to get that? It's not, it's not going to be at school anymore. And if they don't have an accepting household, then their whole identity is just not important anymore. Any other additional closing thoughts? I mean, I think my closing thoughts are, it's, they're sort of confusing because on the one hand, I just, I don't know, Sylvia, everything that I feel like I, so much of what I read about your generation and and people your age is so inspiring and makes me feel so hopeful for the people who are coming up next. (laughs) Um, Just as far as, you know, it seems like people your age have raised in in a social and cultural environment that primes you more for these these conversations and, and thinking about issues of all kinds, both, you know, related to what we've discussed today and, and beyond. And so that, yeah, makes me feel so optimistic for, um, for our leaders and, and, and even, you know, people not in leadership positions in the future um, and the present for that matter. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the policy that's being made now seems to kind of butt up against that, you know, it, it seems like it doesn't, match with what I feel like I'm reading and hearing and seeing from, you know, students themselves. But then going back to, um, you know, our earlier discussion of specifically um, safety in Alexandria schools and, you know, the the different reports that we were discussing, it's different than I think um, it's a more heightened, much more heightened version, it sounds like, of what I experienced when I was in grade school But I have hope that it sounds like it is related to, like you said, Sylvia, you know, coming out of at-home learning, I have hope that this will, you know, people will cool down and kind of get back into being around each other. Yeah, I don't know. That's not a, (laughs) that's not a very poetic uh, or well thought out statement, but just I'm hopeful in the, the students themselves and also very alarmed at what is coming out of um, of our legislature. Sylvia, closing thoughts? I think just the most important thing is just to have like adults around us who listen to us and, you know, want to lift up our voices. I think, again, like, so there are so many students at ACHS who want to do good, who want to change the world and are just amazing student activists. Yeah, I always, I see a lot of my friends, like, right now, like, you know, they saw um, the policy for, um, regarding um, the the transgender policy, and they already want to, like, go out and do something about it. And I'm just so proud of, like, all the students at my high school, because they're always, like, trying their best to, like, let their voices be known and let their voices be heard. And it is very commendable. And so I think, again, just like the most important thing as like, you know, adult faculty and people who, you know, are empowered is just to hear us out, to hear these students and to hear what like what we actually want. Because I feel like a lot of times, you know, a lot of adults can get kind of clouded by what they think is best for us. But in reality, they aren't really listening to what we actually have to say about certain things. and. By doing that, you can get a lot of insight just behind, you know, 
how students are feeling because at the end of the day, students are the ones who are, you know, going to school who are consistently experiencing this you know the people who are writing these um policies they're not they're not they're not at my high school they're not at all these high schools they're not experiencing any of this they're just they're they just sit there and they write and they think that okay this is what i'm doing what i'm doing is best for us but when you hear all like um these cries from these students you know saying actually this is what i think or actually i think that i think that it's just important just to listen to us and hear what we have to say. Thank you to Sylvia and Megan for this important conversation. Remember to join us next Monday, September 26, at the George Washington Masonic National Memorial for a flagship program about this topic. You can learn more about this program, panelists, and registration at agendaalexandria.org. Thank you also to our members for supporting on the agenda. You can also help fund this program by becoming a member at agendaalexandria.org. Please consider joining today. On behalf of Agenda Alexandria, thank you for joining us.